Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Janelli, and I have been lured off a cliff by a sweet melody from a mysterious piper who came to town. I'm Lorelai Weissel, and it doesn't really matter what fairy tale I get stuck in and what happens to me, because, look, my family's from the Rhineland, where all the Germanic fairy tales happen, and, like, it doesn't matter which one or, or what specifically happens. It's not going to end well for me. I'm, I'm probably going to die. And I'm Ashley Barrow, and whatever fairy tale I'm in, I'm the villain, either the evil witch in the woods or a mermaid... Or the piper that killed Jay. <laughs> Wait, there's evil I'm, witches? I'm the bad guy. I didn't know such a thing existed. I thought the witches were all the good guys. Well, you can be evil and still be a good guy. Well, that's fair. So welcome everyone to the Vorthos cast. Uh, before we get started, we have a little bit of news for the week in that uh, the day we're recording this, they revealed Ponies the Galloping which is coming out on October 22nd and is being sold through November 6th or until they run out, whichever comes first. Guarantee run out. Okay, so it is a charity for part of Extra Life, uh, which is, I believe, the Penny Arcade uh, charity, children's charity, to benefit Seattle Children's Hospital. In this set, we have the Ponies Rarity, Nightmare Moon, and Princess Twilight Sparkle, which are, they're super adorable. Like, all of these artworks are super, super cute. I know almost nothing about My Little Pony, so I don't have a whole lot to add. But I love that they've done this as a promotional thing. This this is a similar kind of product they did for Hascon, where they had the uh, sort of Dungeons & Dragons, Nerf War, and uh, Grimlock card for uh, some of Hasbro's other IPs. Mm, mm-hmm. It reminds me, the, like, the packaging's the same as the Hascon, too. Yep. Um, and, and they're similar kind of promos. They are wonderful. Um, I am super happy for the people that are going to love this product. Um, this is, like like I said, I think these are going to sell out really quick. Um, between them being what they are and being for the Extra Life charity event, which is always fantastic to support, I think they're just going to be gone. So if, if that's a product you're interested in, um, I think it's U.S. and Canada only. If you're in the U.S. or Canada and that product is interesting to you, jump on it whenever they go live because it feels like they will be gone. And I don't know anything about MLP either. So I had a My Little Pony in the 1980s, when I was very young, I remember it was a white pony with blue hair, and that is all I know about My Little Pony. And it had, like, a picture on its butt, like it had been branded. But, I mean, that that's their thing. But these are super cute. I, I might pick these up because they're good for charity, and they're, they're just cute promos. Put them next to the, my old Hascon promos. So let's move on to the feature, our feature for this week, Fairy Tales of Eldraine. So we're going to talk a little bit here about the fairy tales that originated or that are the inspirations for a lot of the Eldraine cards. One thing I want to mention before we get too far into this is a lot of these started as folk tales that evolved over time. They were repackaged or collected many, many times over the centuries. The Brothers Grimm is very fa- the Brothers Grimm are very famous, but they did not write like any of their uh, 
any of the fairy tales that they collected. They just repackaged essentially existing lore. And that's happened many times. There is, you know, a lot of people have made the comment about Disney when it comes to this, because Disney is just the most recent and most widespread repackager of these fairy tales. But they all existed long before the more saccharine versions of the 20th century. Well, and a lot of them aren't even that saccharine. A lot of the classic Disney, so so pre-70s, um, they mostly stick pretty close to the, uh, the most of the Grimm stories. Um, and it wasn't until later where they started taking some liberties. Um, but they're all the same origin stories. They all have different variations. I mean, the, these are stories uh, that are retold over and over and over again. If you've watched, uh, so NBC had a show a couple years ago uh, called Grimm, which took uh, a lot of these stories and, and refabricated them into a Monster of the Week murder mystery which was really fun for one season, and then that show kind of squandered the cool thing it was doing, which was a shame. But, yeah, it's it's cool to see. Uh... To be fair, the show it was competing against, Once Upon a Time, <laughs> also squandered its potential after the first season. Agree. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, and they weren't, like, directly competing, because Once Upon a Time was a Sunday night uh, drama, and, and, and Grimm was during the week and and a police procedural versus a fantasy soap opera i i guess is the best way to describe once upon a time uh, but that was also disney specifically doing the disney versions because it's their ip anyway so let's talk about some of the tropey cards here that are applicable kind of everywhere so first of all the big obvious one is once upon a time which is a card that is apparently going to be ridiculous in actual magic card play we don't talk uh, about that here no we don't talk about at least that. not without so, brian once upon a time is yeah i know we really need him i had no idea so one thing i learned at gp at uh, magic fest atlanta was that brian is good at magic cards i had no idea I, like, how did you have know. no idea he's talked about this before he's top eight at scg opens well i didn't have a chance to chat with him all that much about that specifically before uh and i usually tune out competitive magic talk anyway so Anyway, Once Upon a Time uh, is typically the uh, opener for a lot of fairy tales to the point where it's just become kind of a trope that any kind of ta- any kind of fantasy or fairy tale will often start with Once Upon a Time or some variation. Claim the Firstborn is another card we want to talk about that's uh, a very large trope space in kind of like Crib Swap in Lorwyn, but not quite where crib swap is the the changeling myth of ireland uh or the gaelic i i guess i should say changeling myth uh claim the firstborn appears in a lot of fairy tales where uh a parent has made a deal or owes a debt to some kind of fey creature and the fey creature comes and claims their child and so this is true in things like uh, Rapunzel's story, uh, but also in Cinderella and a whole bunch of other tales that we're not going to get into. The Charming Prince is ubiquitous. <laughs> it is so common in fantasy lore that uh, it's. I'm, gr- I'm very glad that they just made one generic card for that. And similarly, the beloved princess who's Howard Lionheart, Howard is... Referencing himself with the Golden Glow Moth. 
Even though the Golden Gold Moths are from Lorwyn. Yes. They can exist on multiple planes. They've been in a corset. Charmed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Charmed Sleep. So Charmed Sleep is another trope that appears a lot in fairy tales uh, all across the board. It, I don't think really even, even need to get into it all that much. Then how people get awakened from their Charmed Sleep in more modern version of fairy tales is True Love's Kiss. This is actually a more recent invention in tropes, mostly because the circumstances around awakening in stories like Sleeping Beauty are severely problematic, and I don't think we really want to get into them in this podcast, but it's a more recent trope. The spinning wheel was central to a number of fairy tales from... uh, Sleeping Beauty to, uh, I'm I'm blanking on the name now, Rumpelstiltskin. So, you know, that's, that's another one that's appeared between a lot of different stories. And just to round this out, Grumgully the Generous. So Grumgully is kind of a generic fae being helper. This... It'd be easier to talk about if Lorelai and I could go off on a tangent about uh, fairy tale creature types, because back in the day, there wasn't quite as much of a distinction between them as there has been in more modern fantasy. And so Grumgully is kind of the stand-in for this generic fey being that if you help them, they'll help you. If you don't help them, they're going to curse you, essentially. And they, that kind of trope appears throughout all of uh, fairy tale which we'll get into in a second. I am mildly amused because there is one more trope card that you did leave off that list, and it's Happily Ever After. The, oh! the ending, the opposite end of the Once Upon a Time. The classic fairy tale, everything gets better, and they live happily ever after. Sometimes they live Shrek forever after, though. God. So, the Golden Goose is the story of the youngest of three brothers who's given the nickname Simpleton. Uh, his two older brothers go out into the forest to chop wood, uh, and they come across a little gray man, who in this case we will call Grumgully, because that's the same fairy tale trope I was just talking about. Uh, but each of them declines to help gr- help uh, the little gray man, except for Simpleton, who's sent out with, you know, very basic supplies and shares them with the little gray man anyway. He's rewarded with a golden goose. Press Y to honk. Honk, which is uh, <laughs> the, sorry, uh, he's, un- he's rewarded with an untitled golden goose game. Um, he's rewarded with his golden goose and goes on these adventures and eventually wins the princess's heart. So, uh, while other fairy tales also have a golden goose, the gilded goose specifically has its own fairy tale along with the golden egg in the golden goose. This was one of the fairy tales the Grimm brothers collected. Um, similarly, the Pied Piper of Hemelin is another tale. It's the one I referenced in our cold open where a piper comes to town, and in various versions of the story, in some he leads the rats away and saves the town, uh, In but then uh, the town refuses to pay him, so he lures away the children. And uh, that is what Piper of the Swarm is referencing. 
Now, Grimm, Goth, and a whole bunch of others have retold this story because this is kind of classic folktale. What did I say? <laughs> you just said Goth. It's Gerta. How how did you say it? Goth. Like it's spelled. Goth. It's not Goth. It's a German. Okay. It's a there's an umlaut in there which we don't use because we anglicize it. It's a whole thing. All right, go ahead with. Hansel and Gretel. So Hansel yeah. and Gretel. O- okay, liberal arts majors, go for it. I wasn't a liberal arts major. I was a film studies major. Everybody knows that. <laughs> Even Ginny knows that. Um, actually, not a lot of people know that for a lot of reasons about the removal of German culture from American culture. But that's a whole rant that I'm not going to go on because it's very personal and very long and angry. But Hansel and Gretel's one of those Germanic fairy tales that you don't want to be in because that's how you die um so there's a bunch of cards that reference this story this is uh so hansel and gretel are these two little kids represented by curious pair and uh you follow a trail of breadcrumbs and into the forest which you know there's a card trail of breadcrumbs and uh they come upon a candy house you know like the gingerbread cabin that's in the set and uh they are lured in by a witch uh because Kids love candy. And, you know, Tempting Witch could very easily be one of those cards. And here's the thing. They're like, hey, candy. And the witch is like, yes, eat the candy. Get nice and fat so I can kill you and bake you into food in my oven. You know, like a witch's oven. You know, to bake them into a pie. And you see, it's like all these cards from the story. And and then, you know, they, they end up tricking the witch and, and getting her into her own oven and killing her. And it's like, yikes. German fairy tales are morbid. They are messed up. In the story, I don't know if you said this. Originally, they were like trapped into the wo- or like lost in the woods because uh, their parents. I don't know if it was just their mom or their parents. So I'm going to say their mom. Um, this was during a famine, so they were going to abandon them, which is a real thing that happened. Um, cannibalism is also a real thing that happened. Um, so it's likely that this is stories like based on something that like your cousin heard happen from like their aunt that totally happened to the neighbor's kids yeah that sounds that that sounds like exactly how this kind of thing gets started lorelei real quick did you mention okame ranger the what what so the card okame ranger in this set is also an adventure and you can see in this tale they get rescued by the elf knight because uh, you can see the little Hansel and Gretel analogs riding behind, along uh, in the back oh, nice. of the the giant fox. I didn't mention that card because it's not on the list. So it's not in the agenda, so, so I didn't say it. All right. Well, <laughs> I was just checking before I added it. I, did, I realized it wasn't there. So the juniper tree, to talk about cannibalism here, the juniper tree is kind of the origin of the baked into a pie myth here. There aren't a whole lot of nice versions of these tales, because essentially, it starts off like a lot of fairy tales do. Uh, A mother dies after giving birth to her son. She is buried under the juniper tree. Uh, The father remarries, and the mother has a child of her own, who she wants to inherit. So she abuses and eventually murders the young boy, uh, and bakes him into a pie that she feeds to her husband. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a great story. Eventually the, the, the evil stepmother's daughter, uh, turns against her own mother 
And eventually they all live happily ever after when the boy is reborn as a songbird from the juniper tree. It's weird. I would have expected him to be reborn as a poop. <laughs> it is. I can't even say that. No, <laughs> no. I'm an adult. That's another grim fairy tale, as you can tell. It they're, sure they're was. Grim. There's a reason grim has become synonymous with dark. Uh, Snow White. So Snow White is obviously, I mean, like, the seminal Disney film that kickstarted their entire animated franchise. Snow White is a a, a very well-known tale in, ingrained in the consciousness. Uh, it involves the Wicked Witch and her, her well, the Evil Queen and her uh, magic mirror, and she is jealous of Snow White's beauty. Snow White ends up having to escape into the woods where she's saved by seven dwarves. In some cases, she becomes their servant. In some cases, she's helped by them. The seven dwarves work in a dwarven mine. Uh, and she is te- tempted uh, by a taste of death, a poisoned apple by a tempting witch. Uh, and she ends up getting put in a glass coffin or a glass casket where she is brought back to the prince's castle who comes to save her. And she's eventually saved. Hooray! So it covers a lot of cards in this set. Taste of Death, Tempting Witch, Seven Dwarves, Dwarven Mind, The Magic Mirror, and Glass Casket all are at least partly influenced by this story. Uh, I should note Taste of Death, that apple... Uh, the young boy from the juniper tree was actually lured to his death by an apple as well. It's a common motif. Apples are delicious. <laughs> so the glass uh, coffin itself has its own uh, fairy tale. So th- the glass coffin story is interesting because it also involves someone being transformed into a stag and then eventually transformed back. It involves an evil magician. It's a very complicated story that... Uh, I'm not really going to get into here because we want to get out on time. Uh, but it has roots in uh, both Kenrith's transformation and the glass casket. And then there's the frog prince, where a prince gets turned into a frog, like in Frogify, and then gets turned back, like in True Love's Kiss. It's pretty simple. Everyone knows that story. <laughs> Same with Rapunzel. Uh, which is another grim fairy tale. Trapped in the Tower is a big reference there, where the she is taken, uh, she is part of Claim the Firstborn as a young woman. Her husband, uh, is, uh, sorry, her father crosses this uh, witch who traps her in the tower and grows out her hair, and eventually that hair is used to to for her own freedom. Uh, how that exactly happens varies from tale to tale. Um, You also forgot another important card that is part of the Rapunzel story, and that is uh, Dak Faden is the Flynn Rider analog. (laughs) Uh, Sure, we'll go with we'll go with that. You you they're the same character. They even have the same hair. Like, it's not just the hair thing that makes them similar. They have the hair. They're thieves. They're sassy. They're himbos like they're just the same person. I guess Flynn Rider's not dead. So, getting into Rumpelstiltskin... God, he didn't even fall for that one. In Rumpelstiltskin... Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> a, uh, essentially, a, a king is told that this young girl can spin straw into gold. Obviously, she can't, so she's going to get killed. 
uh, and this creature appears to her named Rumpelstiltskin, who agrees to spin the straw into gold uh, in return for an exchange. Uh, he eventually does this to her, but he comes back later, and we, in another example of Claim the Firstborn, uh, he wants his payment. And uh, the story revolves around getting the child back. This is one of those stories that has a lot of different variations as well over the years. Uh, but it involves a spinning wheel to spin the straw into gold, and Grumgully the Generous is kind of the Rumpelstiltskin of the set. And again, Claim the Firstborn. There's also the story of Sleeping Beauty and Little Briar Rose, which has one of the most problematic backgrounds <laughs> in fairy tales, not just for cannibalism, but for um, lack of consent. Let's put it that way. Uh, it originates from the story Purse Forest, uh, which was a French novel from like 1528 and has evolved over time. Uh, it also involves a spinning wheel where Sleeping Beauty pricks her hand on the spinning wheel uh, after she was bit cursed by a uh, fairy. She goes into a charmed sleep. That evil fairy uh, in the Disney movies is known as Maleficent, but that's kind of the Alela artful provocateur trope. Essentially, the fairy was mad that she didn't get invited to a party, uh, and so she, she declared a curse on the princess. It involves a, a, a wall of thorns that Rose Thorn Acolyte seems to be referencing. And the movie version, the Disney version, is referenced heavily in the art for the reprint of Righteousness, with Prince Philip facing down Maleficent in her dragon form, down to like the colors of the dragon in this. Were there any references to the other Disney movie, the live action one? Because that one was also very good. Uh, yeah, Angelina Jolie voices Garrick in Arena. Oh, okay, that checks out. No, that's not true. <laughs> I lied about that. Oh, hold on. Um, but um, another thing in in the Sleeping Beauty story, we have a uh, plains, I believe it's the Howard Lion Plains, that has a whole field of rose brambles um, just all over, like the ones that kind of wrapped around the castle in that story. So so that that is an element of the wild, uh, a motif that's seen a couple places. Um, Oko does it in the story also, so that's another thing. Um, but then we have one of our few fairy tales in this set that's not a grim story. Uh, this is uh, Hans Christian Andersen, The Little Mermaid, which, um, <laughs> you know, a lot of the early Disney movies were, were pretty um, pretty faithful to the Grimm's version. Uh, the Little Mermaid in the 80s is where Disney kind of started to take some liberties. But uh, so, so the basic story is... Uh, there's a mermaid who is fascinated by people. There's like a whole war going on. Um, and then she makes a deal with a sea witch to go be with the prince. But she has to be mute. Um, and her feet bleed when she's on the land. Oh, I wonder why that wasn't in the Disney movie. Um, <laughs> and then like she has to make him fall in love with her before a certain time, I think. Um, but then he ends up falling in love with someone else and, and she goes back to the ocean and then the sea, which is like, look, all you have to do is, uh, you know, if you want him to fall in love with you, all you have to do is go into this boat and, uh, kill the girl that he fell in love with and then he'll be yours. Like that's part of the magic thing that's happening. Um, and then she goes on the boat and like, like, cause the sea witch wants to instigate this whole war 
thing. It's it's a whole thing. Um, so the Little Mermaid goes on this boat, and instead of uh, murdering, doing doing a heckin' murder, uh, she kills herself. And is like, look, the only way to make this right is to kill myself. And uh, she kills herself, and then in, instead of... You know, when a mermaid dies, they're supposed to fall back into the ocean and turn into sea foam and cease to exist. But instead of doing that, it turns out her act of self-sacrifice um, allowed her to have a soul that in 300 years or whatever could maybe have a chance at ascending to heaven. And so it turns out the Little Mermaid story is like a really dumpy story about like doing all this self-harm to yourself in an effort to self-flagellate your way to heaven, uh, which is pretty dumpy. But uh, I love... <laughs> <laughs> so, like, Disney was probably right to change a lot of that. Um, but this set's card, Wishful Merfolk, is... Uh, the, the flavor text is, explains that this is not a merfolk who wants to become a human for a time to walk on land and live among them. It's a merfolk who wants to turn into a human to walk on land and do some heckin' revenge! That's great. Um, so it's it's like a slight reference to the actual ending of the story where the Little Mermaid is supposed to walk onto this, uh, walk and do do this murder. Um, but except it's actually just accepting of the murdery part, which is like makes it a little more Grimm's fairy tales than Hans Christian Andersen at that point, which is a fun little twist because a lot of fairy tales are really, really dark. So the Little Mermaid's a, a Danish tale, and there's an there's a statue in Denmark, uh, just outside of Copenhagen, that is of the Little Mermaid, and it's kind of funny because like they keep having or over over the years they've had to replace so many pieces of it because people would just go out there and like break off like the Little Mermaid's arm or her tail or something, <laughs> and they had to cast a, a new one. That's where. Uh... Denmark's number one source of fish sticks is from. <laughs> so, uh, my favorite flavorful card for a fairy tale in this set is Clackbridge Troll. It's real, real good. So, it's based on the story of the Three Billy Goats Gruff, which is actually a Norwegian tale from the 1840s. Uh, essentially, there are three billy goats. They're trying to cross this bridge to get to a, a nice meadow on the other side. But the first one crosses, starts to cross, and this evil troll comes out and says, uh, basically, I'm going to eat you. Uh, and they said, oh, no, don't eat me. My, you know, my brother next in line is is much fatter and more delicious than I am. Uh, and so the troll says, oh, okay, well, you go ahead then. I'm going to save my appetite for this delicious one. Uh, and so the second one comes through and says the same thing. And the third one comes through and he's just he a heckin' beefcake and rams the <laughs> rams the troll in the face uh, and runs off to the other side. And they all make it uh, across the bridge. Okay. But Clackbridge Troll is adorable because it brings out the three goats uh, and the troll. And the name is just fantastic. Here's the thing, though. Like, I don't think we should be so casual about this. There are William Goats. Let's talk about the gingerbread man story where the gingerbread man gets baked because some bakers are lonely and then he just runs real fast and they're trying to catch him and, you know, they run as fast as they can, but they can't catch him because, you know, he's like a cookie or something. So uh, he ends up getting to a river and is like, hey, wait, I'm a cookie. I can't go in the water. I will die and fall apart and get soggy. 
Anyway, so there's a fox there, and Gingerbread Man's like freaking out, like, yo, fox, go away. And the fox is like, well, I don't want to eat you. I just want to get to the other side of the river, just like you. And like, look, I'm going over anyway, so you might as well just like ride on my back. I can take you over, whatever. I'm a nice guy. Which is like, you, you read a fairy tale, Gingerbread Man. Foxes are a tricksy. So uh, he's running on the fox's back, and the fox is like, hey, you're getting a little uncomfortable back there. Can you, like, sidle up a little higher on my neck? And so the gingerbread man is like, yeah, okay, that's fine. And so he keeps convincing the gingerbread man to inch farther up his face until he's, like, sitting on his nose. And then the fox just kind of, like, tosses him in the air and eats him and is like, you dumb cookie bitch. And the lesson is don't trust predators ever. Also, like, Ginger Brute's one of the best cards in the set. Like, the fact that you can make it not be able to be blocked except by creatures with haste because they have to be fast enough to catch it, that's so good. Yeah, it's it's great. Uh, it The story originates... It's actually one of the most recent stories referenced in the set because uh, it, it's originally from St. Nicholas Magazine in 1875. So it's one of the few that's uh, less than 150 years old. And then next we have The Sorcerer's Apprentice, which is a, a Gerto poem from 1797. And uh, if you've seen Disney's Fantasia, uh, pretty much all they did is change the apprentice character to Mickey Mouse. And uh, otherwise, um, that story is exactly like it is in the poem. Um, so as we have a, a pair of cards for this story, Overwhelmed Apprentice and then Sorcerer's Broom, whose mechanic is, uh, you know, whenever you chop a broom you can pay through mana and make another one. So, like, whenever you sacrifice a thing, you know, no matter how much you keep chopping, the brooms keep coming. Um, and that's a fun little story. And, and, you know, that's literally exactly what happens in the poem. Um, and uh, it, it's neat to get that reference so directly. And then, uh, Jay, you wrote a notation in our things about the 2010 film, The Sorcerer's Apprentice. The one with Nicolas Cage, yes. And Jay Baruchel. And that's how you know it's good. So this was Magic the Gathering's film debut. So there is a uh, a character like a hokey stage magician, uh, hokey stage magician, magician you know, uh, that has magic cards made after him in a horrible cross-branding attempt because... I guess someone didn't get the memo that Magic the Gathering wasn't like a David Blaine kind of thing. Are you serious? Is that really what it was? He had Planeswalker cards made after him. Yeah, it's um we'll we'll link to it in in the show notes Do we so have that to? everyone can see the glory that is they made like five magic cards about this, a Planeswalker card and a few others. Uh, and it is glorious. There are several posts on the mothership. If you look up the Sorcerer's Apprentice, uh, you can find the posts. Uh, yeah, it's kind of cringy. Flaxen Intruder represents Goldilocks and the Three Bears, and I'm not going to get into that story because we, we've already talked about this card. It was one of the first previews. Uh, Jack and the Beanstalk is a uh, English story by J. Roberts from the 18th century. Uh, about a boy named Jack who barters a cow, so bartered cow, 
uh, for some magic beans, which is represented in giant opportunity. Uh, he climbs up a beanstalk and finds a beanstalk giant's lair that he steals a bunch of stuff from, including a gilded goose. He's eventually found out by the giant and becomes a giant killer when he cuts down the beanstalk before uh, the giant gets to the bottom. What's cute is tall as a beanstalk as a riff on what would have happened if he had eaten the beans rather than planted them. Uh, it's not something I ever thought about, but it's it's a cute it's a cute riff, and it's nice to see the magic touch on those things. Cinderella is a story that actually dates back to like Greek times, the Greek tale of Rodopus. Uh, we've got the the wicked guardian, the fairy guide mother, the enchanted carriage. The Midnight Clock, where everything turns back. I love the flavor on that card. Uh, it turns back and turns into a pumpkin. Um, or Return to Nature, the card also shows that same thing going on. Um, the, the equipment in the set, Crystal Slippers, represents Cinderella's slippers, which she loses one. Uh, but instead of Prince Charming chasing after her, in this set we have Wildwood Tracker, who's hunting down someone who escaped with Crystal Slippers. Yeah, I, I like the little twist. So th this set does have a lot of references, but then puts a lot of twists on them. And, and the idea that these crystal slippers are magical in a way that make you run fast is really funny. Um, I I adore irony, especially when it's used for humor. And like, hey, not only are we going to give you heels to run in, but we're going to make them super fragile. But they're just like good for zooming around is like goofy. And I like it. Beauty and the Beast is a uh, novel by a, a person named Villeneuve from the 1740s, uh, same as one of our favorite magic artists, uh, because it's French. So the cards Love, Stuck, Love Struck Beast, Bell of the Brawl, and Dance the Mance all reference this story. I'm sure you all recall the Disney movie. We don't really need to get too much into that one. Um, Pinocchio which is from the novel The Adventures of Pinocchio, which is an Italian novel from the late 19th century. Uh, that involves an animating fairy who uh, animates this inquisitive puppet uh, who wants to become a real boy. In the original tale, however, it's more of a morality play, don't be like Pinocchio, because Pinocchio ends up getting hung until dead. So <laughs> it's not quite turning into uh, a, a human boy and learning his lesson. You know, that Disney movie scared the hell out of me as a kid. The part where they're like all turning into donkeys, that is like traumatic. Why would you show kids that? I mean, obviously for the dangers of alcohol, but like, yikes. But when you're a kid, you don't understand that they're drinking alcohol. You're just like, oh, this, this is scary. Yeah, like the, the entire sequence is just like filled with raw terror and you don't know why i didn't know until i was an adult that they'd done anything bad <laughs> uh another story that's really well known is the three little pigs which is actually more recent than you would think from the nursery rhymes of england it was it's collected in there but the actual story might have been uh much much earlier but it was collected in like the late 19th century as well around the same time as pinocchio uh, the Wicked Wolf, Blow Your House Down, and Wolf's Quarry, which are the three boars in this case, uh, are all references to that story. I have a personal affection for it because I was the big bad wolf 
in my first grade play of the big bad well, the three little pigs oh god are, are you are you doing are you doing a arrested development thing here where you're going to talk about how you were a lawyer because of a play you did in elementary school something <laughs> along those lines jeez i have become a big bad wolf as an adult yes and i blow people's houses down you're gonna love this, but I also did a play, not like a big school play, but it was like at something, and I was the wolf, nice. which is very funny if you know how big I am. That, that's a cute little wolf popper. I was told I was destined for great things, and I was a fantastic actor, and then I never did anything drama-related again. Bluebeard. So Malevolent Noble references the story of Bluebeard. If you can see the full art, you can see he has a blue beard. Uh, the malevolent noble Bluebeard was essentially a serial killer. Uh, there's no essentially about it. He was a serial killer in the story who kept killing his wives and marrying new ones. And, uh, the story centers around the, his newest wife who ends up discovering that in this room she's not allowed to go to are the horribly mangled bodies of the previous wives that he's killed so she writes to her relatives and lets them know like this is going on uh please come help me um and some of her relatives and their husbands come and basically kick the crap out of blue Bluebeard, <laughs> and she escapes in in some of the stories the last fairy tale we're going to talk about is actually the most recent one uh, Howl's Moving Castle by Diane Wynne Jones from 1986 is referenced in Roving Keep. It's known really well for the Miyazaki film that's based on it. Loosely. Like, really, really, really loosely based on it. The, the Roving Keep itself, uh, implies that it makes a howling sound, uh, or a screaming sound in the flavor text, which was a cute addition to the um, to the lore reference. So, Lorelai, congrats! We made your target of forty minutes for uh, final thoughts. So, let's move on to final thoughts. I so if if you're not a live listener, um, you you don't hear me bark about things before and after the episodes i i basically function like a director and producer for for the show i i <laughs> and I, I have a very busy weekend or i guess by the time you listen to this i had a very busy weekend it was a uh, scg philly and uh so i want to keep this on a shorter leash so yeah go ahead jay final thoughts my final thoughts are uh untitled goose game is a honking good game that's really all i got it is very fun. Uh, my final thought, I am, because I build way too many commander decks, um, I'm working on a Rona Disciple of Gix, which I couldn't figure out a theme for for, for a while. And, and now I was like, oh, it can be villains. So every single card in the deck, including lands, references a villain or a villainous faction in Magic. And uh, <laughs> that's right, folks. I bought an Empress Galena. Uh, my final thought is, hmm, I, I've been trying to think of when the whole time that y'all were talking and I couldn't think of anything. So I will say my final thought is today I bought snails. Ooh, what kind of snails? Two of them. Aquatic snails. For like, just to have as pets? I don't know. My little sister needed them. For what? I to don't know. To pet them? I don't I'm know. Sorry. It's a big mystery. You said snails <laughs> and now all of a sudden I am like super duper invested and interested. <laughs> I know. It's a big, it's a huge mystery and they like haven't told me yet what they're for. 
see, like, there's there's just no segue into Patreon stuff because I love gastropods. If you want us to buy you snails, Dude, we are not buying anybody. We snails. will not actually if you like buy, to you buy snails. snails. <laughs> this is, see, if this is the problem. Snail. My brain, my brain is in snail mode and not Patreon mode. So, really, there just is no segue. If if you like the Vorthos cast and you would like us to keep making the Vorthos cast, you can head over to Patreon.com/slash/TheVorthosCast and support us starting today. Whether you're a new listener or have been listening forever. Um, we appreciate everyone who supports us, everyone who, uh, does donate, gets access to our Discord community, where Vorthoses from around the world are talking about all the exciting happenings in our corner of the community, and that's always enjoyable and fun. So, if that's something you're interested in, do that! Because that would be cool, and we like you. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.